0: Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Alex Barsinez. Thanks, Marie. Didn't Marie do a great job? Her first MC duties for Sunday morning. Her and Mark are doing amazing things in youth. That overflow conference was pretty hectic from what I saw on Instagram stories and Facebook, Junior, the rapper, straight from the Bronx, or otherwise known as Cranbourne, or I, I don't even know where you're from, but um, I, I live in Cranbourne, I can talk about Cranbourne like that. <laughs> Father and Lord, hey, eh? don't bag out Cranbourne, Cranbourne is good. And the Cranbourne Knight said, amen. amen. <laughs> Jesus is in Cranbourne for sure. When he, uh, when he arrives, he will first come to Cranbourne. Cran <laughs> Cranbourne actually has a very special place in my heart. Obviously, uh, my father-in-law, mother-in-law uh, lived for many years in Cranbourne. Uh, we live in Cranbourne, so my wife grew up in Cranbourne. I actually grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne for a little bit. Came to the east, Westall, and then grew up in Cheltenham. And church kid, uh, for many years since I was about eight years old, and actually didn't get saved until I was 18, about to turn 19, in Cranbourne, out of all places, Cranbourne Masonic Hall, youth group, being held there for the very first time, the pastor's kid that I grew up with, uh, was a rebellious teenager, but came to his senses, came to God, and uh, went to the Masonic Hall and held a youth meeting but, uh, you know, for those who know that kind of background with the Masons, uh, God is more powerful, right? And so I was radically saved and set free from a few things, and it took a, it took a couple, couple of years to kind of like just understand who I am in God, and uh, I, want, I want to share a little bit of that this morning. But um, I still look back at Cranbourne Masonic Hall and having kind of like this, almost like a heart attack with the, the love of God just just pounding on my heart, saying, come to me, son, come to me, and that's one of the, one of the biggest encounters I've ever had with God, and, um, you know, I drive past there quite often, and I just sense, and I said to Tony, my father-in-law, Let, let's just go in there when it's crowded one day, because car, there's cars at the car park, and I think there's some sort of um, retirees dance club or what, whatnot, but let's give them the, the, the party of their life, eh, and uh, just take over <laughs> with the gospel. <laughs> Jesus is king. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning, which you have prepared in advance. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit, your love, your power, your authority. So right now, God, I pray that you would just speak through me, Lord. I know there's no accidents in you. I know every heart, every ear, every mind that is going to hear your word today is on purpose. Thank you, Lord. Do the work that you have already set out to do, that you've planned for ahead of time. Let there be transformation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, as I've been uh, praying and preparing for this morning, I, I, I sense that God wanted us to get into Judges 6, the story of an unlikely hero, Gideon, and, and Judges 7 as well. And I, I share that I grew up in church, and um, you know, I'll share a little bit more of that later on, but we see Gideon. In, in Judges 6, found in a place where you, you wouldn't really see or find a hero. And I'll, I'll explain soon. But there's trust lessons from these two chapters that I want to share with you guys that God is still good, even when times are tough. Because we pick up Judges 6, right after Judges 5, where we see the fierce warrior Deborah leading Israel, doing all those brave and mighty exploits. And so women of the house, be encouraged. You are a weapon for God. You are a tool in the mighty hand of our King Jesus. And chapter 5 finishes with 40 years of peace for the nation of Israel. But as it goes, like human nature, when things are good and things are going up, kids are being fed, the land which they possess was being produced and harvested and Crops were growing, cattle and sheep and goat were multiplying. Things were going good to the point that they forgot who their God was. In fact, the main issue was they started to worship the God who inhabited that land, the false God, who wasn't even real, the God of the Amorites, breaking the first and second commandments that you shall have no God but me and you shall create no other idols and worship them. So we see that in Judges 1 that God had given over Israel into the enemy's hands. And let's let's pick it up. Judges 6, New King Jimmy. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for 7 years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves. In other words, they hid in the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth As far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox or donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, too many to count, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out. The children of Israel cried out. It took him seven years, right? It's kind of like a picture of how we are as, as people. We can get so stubborn at times. It takes a while for us to really come to our senses and re- really understand that we need God in our lives. For some of you this morning, it's like that. It's been a long time since you've come to God since you've opened up your Bible, since you've talked to God, or perhaps you don't even know God in in this place, I'd love to introduce you to him later on. But it's like that. Things get tough. But God would use tough circumstances and tough situations to bring you back to him because he longs to be at the center of your life. He doesn't put the finger on you and, and, and look down on you and so if you have walked away from God, if you are sinning, if you aren't in his will and you know it and you look around, things are bad, don't blame God, but look to God to help you because God loves you and he, he will use those circumstances to bring you back. Learn this from Gideon. Every experience in life is a test and every trial in the lives of God's people is tailored to draw us closer back to him. And if you don't believe me, let's turn to Proverbs three eleven to 12. It says this, Do not despise the Lord's instruction. It's, it's on the back, but there it is. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. Things are tough. Things are going pretty rough, right? But God is saying, because I love you, because you are my son, because I delight in you, I'm willing to correct you. If It would be negligent of me to see my son Declan grow up. Hey, Decky. Hello. To be a rebellious kid, to be walking away from God, disobeying Mama Jess, Papa Dad, Papa Alex, whatever, and just leave him to his own devices. To see him grow up as a young adult away from God, to see him walk down a path of destruction. I wouldn't be a loving father if I let him just do that. As a loving dad, I would bring him in, I would correct him. But also I would give him support. I'll give him my love. And so things are tough right now. Things are hard. But God is saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I'm going to use your circumstances to bring you back. C.S. Lewis says it like this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So the first trust lesson that we see, with Gideon is that God uses tough times to get our attention, like he did with Israel. Trust lesson number two, God sees it all, including the things we don't see that are in us. So I mentioned that we see Gideon being raised up as God's warrior, God's hero in, in this story. That The beautiful, beautiful thing about God is even though we're slow in returning to him, is not slow in responding to us. That when Israel cried out, God sent an unnamed prophet to announce the victory. And so let, let's keep reading. Verse 7. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you... Up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also said to you, I am the Lord your God, do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So I'll correct myself a little bit. The prophet was sent to just call it as is to say, What's happened? What's gone wrong? But God, in his mercy, Check this out. Verse 11. Let's keep reading. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. See, there's an issue here. He's not a mighty man of valor. If you look at the outside, if you look at what he was doing, he was actually at the bottom of a wine press, sitting, hiding away from the Midianites, who we know has been ravaging the land, taking all the crops, taking all the animals. But he was trying to do something just to get by, trying to do something to survive. And that was trying to throw up the wheat, in a wine press. Now, Brooke, are you still around? No, he was here in the first service. Can I ask who 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 actually has got experience with threshing wheat? He's got a farmer's background or something like that. Brooke does, and and he he attested to this. The reason why you want to be able to do what you're doing with wheat, and not in a wine press, but you want to be high up on ground, is when you throw up the wheat, you want the wind to catch the chaff, and the grain would fall down. Now, if you're trying to do it down here, it's a pitiful sight. It's a discouraging sight. It's a depressing sight. I'm just doing the best that I can to get by, to get by with the minimum, throwing up the wheat, not much happening, and I sense God is saying, there's some of you today that you've been trying and trying, trying to get by with the minimum, Expecting a different result, but God is saying there's more. You're a mighty warrior, mighty son, mighty daughter. Don't revert to what is comfortable. Don't stay in a place of security. When you notice I've been working right now. And the Lord says to Gideon, the Lord is with you mighty warrior. See, he addresses Gideon not for who Gideon thinks he is. He addresses Gideon for who he really is, who God is calling him to be. Because you may know your history, you may know your past, but do you know your God? Do you know your anointing? Do you know your calling? Do you know the power that lies within you? And that's what this angel was trying to draw out. But let's read what Gideon's response is. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but, in, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? Then the Lord turned back to him and said, Go in the might of yours, or in the strength you have, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Let's pause a little bit. God said to him, go in the might that you have. Go in the strength you have. And I asked God, why, why would you say that? Why, why would you send Gideon as is? Well, the, the difference here is God is saying, I will be with you. And if you can go in the weaknesses, in the worries, in the fears that you have, but I'm with you, I will get the glory. And we can see God is working on Gideon. He's slowly chipping away at these false identities. Have I not sent you? God says. It's not enough. I mean, he's having this encounter, right? God's telling him, You're a mighty warrior. He doesn't even try and, you know, kind of like debate with Gideon, like with all these things in the past. He's saying, Forget about the past. He didn't even address those things that happened in previous generations with Israel, how they were brought out of Egypt. It says, go, the victory is yours. I will be with you. Go in your strength. I will be with you. But this is Gideon's response. Funny old Gideon. Oh, Lord, verse 15. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And, sure, and the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. He said to God, We are the least in our tribe. I'm the least in my father's house. You know, in, in preparation for this, let me just. Uh, it's it warm in the second service after doing this first time around. Temperature getting hot, maybe both. Um, he says, We are the least tribe in Israel. I'm the least in my father's house. Preparing for this, God reminded me what happened when I was about growing up in, in a church similar to this. It was a Filipino church. See, mom and dad they separated when I was about seven years of age, and dad found God through a born again church, and from about age eight. Upwards, we started to attend church and Sunday school, and I used to be a rebellious kid and run away from the Sunday school teacher and hide behind cars and throw pebbles the other direction and she'd run off that way. I can only see now how hectic that would have been for that poor lady. Imagine all the uh, ACC Safe Churches guidelines broken, that incident alone. And Dad was a bit of a troublemaker. He'd been kind of hurt. He'd gone through... He uh, was part of the army, and maybe some stuff carrying there, and he uh, he would do things to purposely just cause a bit of a stir. He gave us a t-shirt. You know, often we wear t-shirts not knowing what the meaning was, being that young. Euphemisms about swear words that didn't actually spell, spell the swear word, and uh, drug paraphernalia is cartoon to make it look innocent, and I would wear those t-shirts, and adults would just look at me and just shake their heads. And... And dad was never into his drugs or anything like that, but he was just a bit of a stirrer. And so when I was about 14, one of the friends that I knew from church, we were at this family gathering, a whole bunch of different church people at this party, and his mum in front of me said to him, I don't want you hanging around that boy, that Alex. He's not a good influence on you. He'll never get anywhere in God stay away from him and that hurt me a little bit but i, I was also young a little bit naive too so I, I didn't really let it go down deep on the inside and it wasn't until a few years later i realized the impact i could have had on a young boy and i just thought about it every now and then but in particular in regards to to this morning like gideon i'm the least in my family dad said to to god he was on this, uh, kind of like this ship. Mum was pregnant, heavy storms, and he said, God, if you let us survive, I'll dedicate my firstborn to you, my older brother, as a priest, because they were Catholics back then. And my, my brother and I responded at the altar about 16 years ago, and not tuning any horns here, but God, does just been said, he said to me over the years, I never expected you... <laughs> Only because he prayed that prayer that it would be my older brother. And I'm praying for my bro- brother to come back and Dad too, he's on a journey. But God will use the least part of you that you expect. If you think that you, you amount to nothing, if you think you're nothing special, take it from Gideon, take it from me. If you do the things that God has asked you to do, if you press into His will, in His calling for your life, God will use you. And there's a lot of things that Gideon did, which I'll unpack today to help you understand what worked for Gideon. So the angel of the Lord was sent by God to help Gideon understand his true identity. Because Gideon was hiding, right? He wasn't a warrior at least on the outside, not even in his thinking or his heart, he was actually a, a warrior. W-O-R-R-R-R-R-R-R-R? Double double R, Is that right? No time for a dictionary right now. He was worried. He was hiding. He was in fear. But God called him a warrior. God was chipping away at his false thinking and his false identities. Because if you are a son of God or a daughter of God, God says that you are his child. John 1 12. If you're taking notes, feel free to look this up later, later on. You are his friend. John 15 and 15. No longer he calls you servants, but friends. You are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2 and 10. You are a masterpiece cre- created anew in Christ Jesus, prepared to do good works planned ahead of time. You have been justified. Romans 5 and 1, freed forever from condemnation. Romans 8 and 1, therefore, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are adopted into his family. Ephesians 1 and 5, and your citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3 and 20, you belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, never to be separated from his love. Romans 8 and 35, you are, I want to get back to you are a citizenship. Your citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3 and 20, meaning that when this life passes, you open up your passport, you got the visa cleared for heaven, you're in. But during worship, I didn't share this in the first service, I sense that God wanted to highlight what it's like to be a citizen of another country, right? And in other countries, there's embassies that represent the values and the, the cultures of that country which you have citizenship in. But I sense God this morning wants to say you are an embassy for heaven. You carry the power, the authority, the values of heaven to bring heaven on earth in you and through you. So don't let the enemy tell you you're not a citizen of heaven. He'll do everything that he can to talk you out of it. Everything he can to tell you that you're a foreigner from heaven. God doesn't know you. He's not your king. You belong in my kingdom, in my country. This is my town. No, no, no. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Your passport represents heaven. What you carry represents heaven. So test number two. God sees it all. Trust lesson, sorry. God sees it all, including the things we don't see that are in us. Trust lesson number three. Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. Let's read on. Verse 25 to 32. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut it down, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. See, his dad was a troublemaker too. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took Ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him because he feared. Get that? He feared, he was still afraid. His father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day. He did it by night. So God is saying, Still do it. Do it even if you're worried. Do it even if you're scared. You know what? Gideon had to clean up his own backyard. Before being used powerfully, we know to set up, right? We know what's going to happen. For those of you who've been around for a while, we know the victory is going to be won. But way before that, he had to clean up his own backyard. What sin, what unbelief, what habits? Are we holding on to that's holding us back from the perfect will of God? The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can test and improve the perfect, pleasing will of our Father. You know, it's easy to say, oh, stop smoking, stop watching pornography, stop having sex before marriage, stop getting drunk. But it actually starts in the mind, like the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's power is more than enough to set you free. I've seen it over and over again. Daniel Hagin, our senior pastor, drug-infused schizophrenia, all the craziness involved with that, now leading multitudes to the Lord in Europe currently, enjoying his Instagram stories. Praise the Lord. But it came through, if you ever hear, heard his story, first 12 months as a new believer, just reading the Word of God, being just engulfed in his truth. And that transformed his life, transformed his mind. He couldn't even sentence a string together. And it reminds me of how I was like as a young Christian, growing up in God, being asked to lead home groups and assist in home groups, and couldn't even string a sentence together. What's up? I did it in the first service, I think. Couldn't even string a sentence. Oh, see, it's still, it's still happening. I'm still saying yes to God. I did, I did it too in the first service. I think God just wanted, wants to make a point clear and obvious here. Couldn't even sentence a string together. No. Couldn't even string a sentence together. So afraid, so quivering in my voice. No proper train of thought. Had all these amazing things prepared. Couldn't even share it. No boldness, no authority. But if I'm honest, there was sin. There was hidden sins. There was the internet. That thing which held me back, that sin that's so easily entangled. wasn't Wasn't until I broke away from that that I started to see more of God's power Because if you want to be used publicly with God's power, you've got to be willing to clean up your private life. You've got to be willing to have your private life in order. And I saw that. I saw that. I saw God using me more in different opportunities. I've never had to ask for a microphone. Never had to kind of beg for one. And that's fine. There's times when God will prompt you to do that kind of stuff. Like, you know, Jonathan is armor bearer. There wasn't an invitation from his dad, King Saul, to go and take on the 20 Philistines. He just had the spirit of the Lord say, go for it. But he had his walk with God, 100%, 100% pure, ready to go at war whenever the Lord rose up in him. So we see that with Gideon, he was... Willing to do the scary task and stand up for righteousness and be persecuted for it. But what, we, what did we see with his uh, troublemaking dad who was producing these bulls for sacrifices, had an idol poll? He actually stood up for his son. Let's read a little bit further on. Joash, the dad, said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him, talking about Gideon, Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down his altar. His dad started to speak for the other side, started to say, well, if Baal is really a real God. Let him defend himself and destroy my son Gideon. So you standing up for righteousness, you cleaning up your backyard, you stepping out, even if you're afraid and you have to do it in the night, your family's going to recognize. Your wayward parents, your mum or your dad or brother or sister, are going to notice there's something different about you. There's something that you're willing to stand up for that society is up in arms about. But you're still strong, you're still steadfast. So private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. Trust lesson number four. God is patient with our faith process. You know, we see that the enemies camp the Midianites and their their parties. The Bible says they were all over the land like locusts, like a swarm. They would devour everything that they touched. And Gideon, you've got, you got to imagine, even though he had an angel speak to him, they were outnumbered. Looking to fight against an army, we see in chapter 8, of 135,000 people. It's pretty overwhelming. So Gideon, understandably, like many of us, asked for multiple signs. He asked God if this is true. Can I ask for a confirming word? And We know how the story goes. He puts out a wool, what's it called? What were they called again? Fleece. I said, God, if what you say is true and if the victory will be ours, will you let this fleece be wet overnight but the ground around it dry? And so the next morning he got up, he wrung it out, a bowl full of water filled up. It was undeniably God. But even still, Gideon in his worries, in his fears, God, this time I know you've already confirmed, but I just need a reassurance again. This time with this fleece, can you let it be dry and everywhere else around it, let it be wet. Now I know you're thinking, oh that's that's that's, that's natural in the possible. That's that's possible in the natural. But how many of you have hung up your clothes on the line overnight? It's rained, it's wet everywhere. Is your clothes dry? No, it's a pain in my sight that it's wet and I have to wait another day until it's dry. But God gave him that confirming word. So he is patient with us, he is patient in our fears in our worries. And verse 36 through 37, let's see what happens here. No, no, sorry. Let me uh, skip ahead a little bit here. So God confirms through these events, even through his worries, that he's gonna do it. And we see that God is starting to bring about this confidence in Gideon. That Gideon will in fact have this victory. And God will show you the same patience as well as you seek his face, allaying your fears so that you can grow into a confident woman and man of God. You know, in our last young adult service that we had in our previous church, I had this thought, is God really real? And I knew he was the enemy. I knew he was just harassing me. And God got me to meditate on the Gospels and about how Jesus has raised, has called us to raise the dead, to heal the sick, cast out demons. I was meditating on that all day because God had actually healed my knee from ligament issues, couldn't even walk on the flat without feeling pain let alone climb a set of stairs and one month before i received my healing I had plans to go to israel egypt and and jordan to climb mountains but i couldn't even walk in a flat i always had to wear a knee brace but god healed me and every time i would see someone with the same issue i would pray for them i'll see them healed more often than not so i was just meditating on that holding on to hope. Yes, God, you are real. No, no, the enemy is harassing me right now. But the Lord is patient. The Lord is kind. So that night, on our final Young Adults Night, Pastor Corey Turner, who now looks after Bridge Church as a senior pastor, he gets up, and he talks about God is real. He talks about all the evidence in the Bible, evidence in, in the world, in history, to point that God is real. And more than that, He used scriptures that I was meditating on that day. Out of all the scriptures in the Bible you can find, the hundreds or thousands of different ones that you you can find, on the exact same scripture I was meditating on, and just like he did with Israel, God sent a prophet. Pastor Corey Turner is known as a prophetic voice. In fact, we call him the Iron Prophet because he hashtags himself as the Iron Prophet because he goes to the gym, I love Pastor Corey Tony. We catch up on the phone. I'm going to his uh, conference this Thursday just to be with him and the, and the leaders. But even through that, God is merciful. And I told Pastor Corey, "Hey, that was the perfect message." I was in tears. The enemy has just been harassing me all day. I knew this was going to be our last young adult service because we were in transition. We've caught up. We're still friends. God is merciful and gracious. Number five, trust lesson number five. Success is determined by God's power, not ours. Gideon was ready to rumble. He had, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He blew the ram's horn and gathered partners of different armies around him, ready to fight. 32,000 willing men ready to fight. But the Lord said, there's too many of you. What a funny statement. There's 135,000 of them, 32,000 of you. There's still too many of you. And he said this because if you win, and which you will win, Israel will say, we did this in, in our own strength. They won't give any glory to God. So God said to Gideon, turn to the army and say, if anyone is afraid, let him turn away now. 22,000 people turned away. But you gotta wonder, they were afraid, they turned away, God easily dismissed them. But the man leading the charge was still afraid. We see that after after this this, uh, incident, he's still afraid. What makes the difference between the 22,000 who was afraid and Gideon, Gideon, who was a leader? The difference is when those men were afraid, They turned their back. They walked away. When Gideon was afraid, he went to his knees. He sought God. He asked God for a sign. He didn't give up. He didn't back down. He continued in God. So he's left with 10,000. But even still, the Lord, in His funny ways, said 10,000 is still too many. Have them come to the water and separate them into two groups. Those that drink directly in the water with their mouths and those that ladle the water into their hands and lap it up like dogs. So after all that, you got to imagine Gideon, he's probably hoping for the majority were kind of like lapping it up. But he noticed there's only 300. God was going to use only 300 to defeat 135,000 men. The ratio to that is one to 450. It's an impossible victory. But the Bible says with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So God is saying, even if you look at your situation, as hard and as impossible as it looks, with God on your side, you are the majority. but we see Gideon still afraid, right? Probably even more so now. 32,000 down to 300. What would you do if God put you in that situation? Because I sense God is saying that there's some of us that's been running in our own strength. He's saying there's more. You're comfortable, but there's more. But He's going to do a work in you. He's going to use tough circumstances. He's going to ask you to strip Certain things that you've held on to that makes it so comfortable because there's another level of glory, another level of authority. But he's going to do it his way so he gets the glory, you're not going to lose out. So the Lord said to him, verse chapter 7, verse 9, it happened on the same. Night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and Malachites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number and the sand by the seashore in multitude. What a scary sight, hey? God's asked you to just check out what they're going to say, but you see the enemy. And, then, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream to my surprise. A loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned. And the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he he worshipped. He worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel. And said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. There's a few important things here that God wanted to do. Gideon was still afraid. You still may be afraid, but do it anyway. Tell your neighbor next to you, I'm scared, but I'm doing it anyway. It's let me down in the past before, but I'm going to do it anyway. i will try before, but I'm going to do it anyway. I had no clue what I was doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because God has asked me to do it. And if God be before me, then who can be against me? And so we see the enemy often will come into our ears like he did that that day last young adults meeting, whispering lies, trying to dismantle the identity that I have in Christ Jesus because he knows the power that you carry. Like the enemy's camp, Gideon heard it firsthand when he crept up. He's a powerful warrior. He's a powerful warrior. The victory is theirs. Do you know the enemy knows your potential more than you do? Isn't that funny? He knows the power you carry, and that's why all he's got is lies, to trick you, to trip you up. When he's done that, he'll take another step forward. But before that, he knows the power you carry. He knows the potential. He knows who's in you and what you're capable of. So sometimes we have to thank God for our enemies because they bring us to our knees We say, thank you, God, that you are true, God, that I will rely on you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are going to bring victory, God. Thank God for your enemies, because you will receive a blessing. The Bible says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The more hard it is to win, the more glory there is for God. So He uses hard circumstances to bring out glory, to bring you closer to Him so that you're at the center of His will, so that He grows you to mighty, powerful man or woman of God. And we see it's in God's power. So Gideon gets the 300 to surround the camp of the enemy. And he said, at my watch, I'm going to blow the ram's horn and break the clay jar, and you do the same. And as they did, the enemies looked around. They got worried. The Spirit of the Lord caused them to turn on each other, and they slaughtered each other. Only 15,000 survived. They ran off. We know the Bible says that they took him, Gideon and his men, pursued him. But I want to land on this point. You think you've been surrounded, but God has asked you to surround a thing that has surrounded you. The thing which you think is overwhelming, which you have no power over, that looks impossible. God is saying, I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the authority. So, so there's many people here represented in this room on many different levels that I've spoken about. Some of us need to clean up our backyards Get rid of that sin. Some of us need to stop relying on our own strength and rely on God. Stop trying to do those things over and over again, which doesn't produce the result you're after, but letting go and letting God do His thing. And some of us just need that reminder from God in who we really are in Him, that we are a mighty warrior, a son and daughter of Zion, So as we get up and worship to um, Defender, what a beautiful song. If any of those areas speak to you, can I ask you to come up to the front and worship with God like Gideon did. When he confirmed the word that the victory is yours, what does the Bible say? Gideon worshiped God. Gideon worshiped God. He kept his perspective on who the victor is. And who brings the victory? And who the real champion is? That is God. And as we come to the front, I want to give the opportunity, like I said earlier today, for anyone who doesn't know God, who may have walked away from God, but you want to come into a relationship with Him, you know that you're not living for God. And if you were to pass away from this life and stand before heaven, will you know that you're going to get in. Do you know you have that citizenship? The Bible says, all our acts of righteousness, our good works are like filthy rags in His sight. We only obtain salvation, forgiveness from God, by receiving His Son, and the work on the cross that He has done for us. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.